0: He was tearing up the drums today, but he's done a phenomenal job leading your students in that. And now I hear that, that y'all made a really, really difficult decision. There was nobody else. <laughs> and y'all were like, where, where can we find somebody to help, help us? And, and y'all just like stumbled onto this dude named Brian Blackwell. <laughs> Henry's been making bad decisions his whole life. But no, I, I love Blackie. Blackie and I are really close friends. And, uh, and I'm really thankful to be a part of, of your church today and to be, be here with, with uh, your ministry. Um, I, I, uh, I got a friend. He's a pastor up in Raleigh-Durham area. And this dude, big old guy, could bench press your house. He used to play in the NFL. Got a big game tonight, by the way. I don't know if y'all are going to watch the Super Bowl. But, uh, but he didn't play in the Super Bowl, but he, he played in the NFL offensive line. Real big old dude. If you put your head in between his pecs... Show me, again. show me. If you put your head right here and he flexed your brains would burst out your ears. He was just got this huge chest, real strong, dude, big old biceps. And um, he was telling me, he was like, Nate, I was, I was preaching the other week and this dude showed up at our church. I was like, cool. so he started telling me about this guy. And he said this guy started coming every week. And literally every week, the man would be down on, at the altar just on his face, just bawling his eyes out. He had gotten saved like 30, 30 times, like 30 Sundays in a row. And, uh, and my pastor friend was like, I didn't really know what to do with this guy. And he said, Nate, you're not going to believe it. Like he showed up in my office the other day. And uh, his like secretary had let him in. He'd come into the office. And, and my man sits behind this huge desk. And like he's got a bigger chair because he's a bigger guy. said so the guy come in, he shook his hand, he sat down. And he asked me this question. And I, I'm listening. I'm like, what do he ask? He said, he said, Pastor, what's he going to take? For me to finally get it, for me to finally understand. And my, pa- and my buddy was like, I didn't really know what to say to him at first. He said, I thought for a second. I kind of was like, man, I got an idea. So he pulled back from his desk. He said, Follow me, sir. And he walked out this door. He had this door, back door to his office. And it went out back behind the church. And, and he, he has to literally turn sideways to get through doors because he's just so big. So he opened the door, he goes through the door. And uh, this dude follows him, and out behind their church, there's like this pond, where they do like baptisms and stuff. There's a big cross. He starts walking right towards the pond, and uh, and the dude followed him, but he's like, "Wait, pastor, pastor, wait! Don't you remember? It was like it was like a couple months ago. But don't you remember? I've already been baptized. You actually baptized me. I don't need to be baptized again, do I?" And my, my buddy looked at him. He said, "Shut up. And follow me." And he took off his shoes. And he walks right into the water. And this dude followed him because he don't want to disrespect the guy that could rip him in half. So <laughs> all right, so he took off his shoes, he goes into the water, and my, my buddy said, I turned around, Nate, and I grabbed him by his, his shirt and I lifted him up into the air and I just threw him down underneath the water. And I put him in my knee all the way of my he had like 325 pounds. He said, I put all my weight on his chest. And the dude did what any of us would do, you know, like, why is my pastor trying to kill me? And he's like flailing under the water, you know, push up on the knee. We might need a new battery, Paul. I don't know, man. I'll give it up for Paul. He has a beard. He rides horses. He fought a bull one time. With a gun. You want me to use that one? Show me again, show me, this is me giving me to you, where'd he go, he's gone, where keep you at, oh, right there, sorry, man, you're black, I couldn't see you, man, you dark, I love you, man, it's coming out, all right, so, so anyway, he's, he's like, man, he's scared to death. He, he's, you know, trying to hold his breath. Fish are swimming by like, what'd you do, man? And, uh, he's fighting. with the pastor, like, And then, and then just as he's about to drown, my buddy's like, I picked him up, pulled him into my chest and I just chunked him up on the shore. And I'm like, man, this is crazy. He, he bounces like three times. And my buddy said, I I just walked up out of the water, you know, like like out of a movie or something. He just like dripping water, just big old dude coming at him. And he said, I put my finger in his face. He was back. Put my finger in his face. And I said, when you want Jesus as much as you want that next breath of air, that's when you'll find him. And then he said, I turned and, and walked away. And I was like, man, you crazy, man. You could get sued for that. He said, I know, but I heard it on YouTube and I had to try. it." <laughs> I'm going to watch the Super Bowl anyway. Y'all. I, just, I was nuts. But I, but I thought about that and I was like, man, that's really true. Like when you, when you want Jesus as much as your next breath of air, you're always going to find him. The word of God says God draws near to the broken heart. And the nearness of God is our good. It's when we're desperate, man, that he meets us where we are. It's it's this attitude when we have sometimes of of just kind of cocky and prideful, like we don't need God. God goes far away from us. The, The word of God teaches that he opposes the proud, but he gives grace to those who are humble. And if you humble yourself, guess what? He will lift you up. So I want to share just a, just a quick story with y'all today, and then I'll be out of your hair like I'm out of mine. Um, I, I got, I got a, uh, just, a, just a story that changed my life. See, I got saved when I was 17. I was telling the students last, what are you doing up here? How'd you get up there? You just getting to stay here? You play music. You scared me, man. I thought, I thought Santa Claus was me. He sees you when you're preaching. (laughs) That was I was scared. (laughs) Show me. All right, so... no, I got saved at a camp and uh, changed my life. My friends tricked me into going because they're like, there's really good food and there's girls there. And uh, so I went to this camp, gave my life to Jesus I was 17. And then, uh, and then this crazy thing happened. I was like, I want to do that. I want to work for a camp. So I got hired at one of the largest camps in the world. It's called Canuck. Everybody try to say that. Canna huge camps, like 20,000 campers. They come from all over, South Missouri, on Table Rock Lake. And they hired me to drive boats and to coach football. And I, and I, I just, man, I, I love camp ministry. And it's so cool because every year, y'all, y'all got a big decision to make as a church. Is that I'm going to send our kids to camp. That's a huge thing. And if, and if y'all get behind it, I know y'all do. Sponsor are kids to go. Uh, that's how I came to know Jesus. We had a guy in our church who paid for me to go because my mom was a single mom and couldn't afford to send me. And so I went to this camp, I got, I got saved, changed my life, I get this job at this camp. And man, I got all these ideas, so when I, I got through working at that camp that summer, I started getting invited to speak at camps, and the next thing you know, I had a buddy of mine who looked at me and said, Nate, why don't we start our own camp? So we, we started this thing called Journey, and Journey, <laughs> a great, it's great. And so, some of y'all need to go to Blackie today and be like, man, I want to help. We journey anyway. Anyway, you could come. Maybe you could come up for a day. The, the students love it because we worship like kind of like what we did today, uh, and, and we also have like a lot of great teaching. But we have these incredible activities where kids can go bridge jumping. We have this gorge. We go and hike where they film like Marvel Infinity Wars. There's all these waterfalls, beautiful waterfalls. We got the second tallest waterfall in North America, y'all. And if kids misbehave, we just throw them like right, right off, right off them. But. But no, the best thing is we had this dude that helped me. His name was Ben Rada, and he built this thing called the Slingshot. And I don't know how he got this idea, but, but there's this bungee cord. And we take it from this tree, and we stretch it all the way across the pond at camp. And he built this skateboard ramp and a slip and slide on top of the ramp. So, like, if you're holding on to the, to the bungee, the rope, it's like a ski rope handle. If you're holding on, when our staff lets you go, the student will go down the slip and slide off the skateboard ramp. And a lot of kids learn how to pray like right then, like we're, <laughs> right in that moment. But no, I just I just love camp ministry. I, I love it so much. God's taught me so much through it. So thank y'all for trusting uh, your 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 church trusting us with your students for that week every year. But there's this guy man in the Bible who's really really desperate. And uh, and in, in John chapter nine, you can see it. I think Ch- Chuck gonna throw it. Y'all gonna throw it up on screen. Uh, so, so it says this in the, for the first verse of John 9. It says, as he passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. Now this dude, his whole life he'd been in darkness. His whole life. He'd never seen. He didn't know what red means, purple, blue. He didn't know any of that stuff. His whole life in darkness. And his disciples immediately asked, Rabbi, which means teacher, who sinned? Was it this man or his parents that he had to be born blind? There's this idea in the Old Testament where uh, if, 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 you, uh, if you worshipped idols, in, in Mosaic law, he said if you worshipped idols, God would, would curse your children with blindness. So, the disciples had, had knew some of them knew the Old Testament, like maybe it was because his parents worshiped idols, maybe it was because of something they did. who sinned they said, Jesus, in other words why why does this ha- why does this have to happen why is, Why does he have to be born this way? Because probably they felt pity in their heart. They see this guy he's been blind his whole life, he's begging for money and rags, he got nothing and Jesus answered, it wasn't that this man sinned, or his parents it, not not just in saying that that The man had never sinned. Jesus isn't saying that his parents never sinned, but he's saying directly the answer is like, it's not a curse from God that he was born this way. In fact, it was so that the work of God might be put on display in him. In other words, what he's saying is, he was born this way so that God could show off in his life. And a lot of times I feel like for me anyway, I, I, I sometimes we'll see people who may have struggles or, or, or uh, deal with serious issues or, or be born with disabilities or, or get in an accident and have, and have a tragic loss. And we think, man, God, God really must, must be out for them. But that's not the case at all. Jesus is like, no, man, this is an opportunity for me to show off. And if you can understand it, you can wrap your mind around that today, and your heart around that truth today. You can walk out right now and be just just fine, because you know God is in control. Now, here, here's what happens right here: We must work. Jesus said, "We must work the work of Him who sent me, while it is day, because night is coming when no one can work." I think He's referring there to to like there's a, there's a time coming when when. Like Judgment Day, no one can work then. You've got to work now. We've got to share the gospel now. There's an urgency now. We must do God's work now. We can't put this off because night is coming when no one can work. And then, check it out. As long as I'm in the world, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And if you know this story, if you've been to church, you've heard this story before, let me just, let me just say this. Isn't it amazing what, what was about to happen in this next moment? That the man who said he was the light of the world Takes a man who has walked his whole life in darkness and says, How about some light? I got you. This is what this is what's crazy, though, is the way Jesus does his miracles. It's just it's just so unique. So, so let's go. Having said these things, he spat on the ground. Raise your hand if you ever spit before. <laughs> Keep your hand up if it was today. Like you you just had nasty buggers and you were like, <sighs> you, you spit them right out on. On the ground or in the same man, it's the worst when you got a cold. All that mucus, and you have to call one up, and it just... Oh, we did that one time. I was sick at Myrtle Beach, and we were sitting in like the 92nd floor of this tower, and we had my little brother. We were like, I think I was 12, he was 10. We were having contests, and we had this balcony. We're really up high in this tower, and I'm like, I bet you can't spit over that fence. And my brother's like, I bet you I can. And so he calls one back. oh foo, spits. It goes almost over the fence. That the bush is right in front of the fence. I was like, "You're garbage. I got this." So I call one up. I'm like, and I'm just like, I run. I actually did like a running start. I cock my head back. I foo, and I spit. And man, it was like this one. You could like, have, it was like long. It was like swirling down, and there was this bald guy. He was walking by. Sorry, Santa. I, I landed right on his head. He looked up, but I was gone. I was like, "This is crazy!" Like he spat on the ground, and it's not even that he just—it's not just like Jesus spit. He got down on the ground and started playing with it. What? It says he made mud with his spit. Bro, that's, that's messed up, right? That's kind of weird. Why would he do that? Can you take off your glasses for a second? You're probably blind without them. No? You can see me? Sure. How many fingers? All right, let me get somebody else. You ready? You see me? There you are. I'm right here. All right, so he spits on the ground, goes up to the blind man. He's like, disciples, watch this. (laughs) Mashes it all over his face, his eyes. Peter's over there, like, Andrew, why does Jesus do that to the blind man? Why is he picking on the handicapped guy? That's not fair. He got it all over his face, and he leans in, he whispers something to him. He said, Go and wash in the pool called Siloam. But there's this neat part in the story you can't really see. I like to imagine this when I read. It says he, he, he actually says, go wash in the pool. And then it says, so he went and he washed. But, but, but keep in mind, like that's just a few words. A lot has to happen in that moment, right? Because he's blind. And there's nasty stuff on his face. And he's got to walk in a public area down some streets. Now, keep in mind, he he can't see. Maybe he knows how to get around town from like street corners and stuff like that. But here's what I like to imagine. There probably were people who helped him get there. Maybe it was one person. Maybe it was two. But he's scrambling. He's trying to do it because he knows he's heard stories because his ears work fine. He's heard stories that Jesus can heal people. What if this is my moment? What if this is that time? And he goes, he scrambles. He's maybe, there's this one guy who pushes him down. Get out of my way. Spits on him again. And then there's this other person there. Maybe, maybe they, oh, they, just, they see him coming. They just I don't want to be around. He can smell. I don't want to be around that guy. But there's this lady. She's not in the story. Maybe it's a guy. I don't know. And he goes up and he says, will you please help me? I'm trying to find Salome. The pool that Jesus told me to go to. And there's this person that helps him get there. That's who I want to be. That's who I want to be, man. I want to be, be the kind of man who helps people do what Jesus tells them to do. That's who I want to be. He helps them get there. You don't see him in the story, but I bet he was there. I bet he was there. I bet she was there. And then you got that part right there. He went and washed and came back seeing <laughs> imagine, imagine this. He gets it. Feels the water, right? There's water there. Right? It takes some. There's blue. He sees blue for the first time. I love blue. Carolina blue when the sky's so blue. And the yellow from the sun and the orange. Go Tigers. And then he sees people walk by. Maybe he's been able to touch people's faces when he was a a kid to see what they, they might look like. But now he sees them for the first time people there's a that's a person here's a squirrel he can see for the first time he can see and you know what all he wants to do he wants to go home it says he came back seeing he went home and he showed his mommy and he showed his daddy he could see he said look i can see because in their culture if you were disabled you were a curse There's places like that on earth still today. In Africa where we go with teams of college students, they take disabled kids when they're born. They put them in a closet until they starve to death. Or they bury them alive. Because they think they're a curse from God. But he shows his mom that he can see. And don't you know, she's just tears pouring out of her her eyes. And her daddy, daddy, I can work now. His daddy says, daddy, I can can work now because I can see. And he hugs his son, right? It's not in the scripture, but I can imagine imagine that moment. I can imagine him coming home and seeing his parents. But then there's just all these problems that happen. All these problems start happening. If you keep reading the story, you'll see. Because there's all these religious people. And there's all these religious people who say, Jesus isn't real. Jesus, Jesus' power is from the devil. They didn't really believe he was who he said he was. And they and they actually interviewed this man. And they say, Are you the man who was born blind? He said, Yes, that's me. Jesus did it. He he, he healed me, I could see. They didn't believe him, so they, they got his parents, they kind of parents to come in and interview them. And and when they ask him, they, they they ask him, Is this your son who was born blind? His parents have an opportunity, but they don't take it. Instead, they say, He is old enough to speak for himself. Ask him. Think about that for a moment. Think about that for a moment. As a parent, they, they literally put, put the onus back on their son. They literally don't take responsibility. They, they got an opportunity to stand up for Jesus, and they didn't take it. People do it every day. You got an opportunity to stand up for Jesus, and what do they do? They say, he's old enough to speak for himself. That's weak sauce. That's what that is. Come on, man. I'm going to tell you something right now. If, if that happens to my little girl... First of all, she's not gonna be out on the corner begging it's gonna be me before it's her. But then you know they, they could have said Jesus healed them. They knew they knew though that they would be kicked out of their culture. They knew they knew the synagogue was where everybody kind of they're just Jewish people, they all yeah, they're gonna get kicked out if they speak up for Jesus because they know these people hate Jesus. So they backed away. They didn't stand up for him. And then this the best part of the story is here, right? And then this happens. You guys want to bring that, that verse up? I can't, I can't see that good. So, for the second time, verse 24, it's Kobe Bryant's number, I think. The second time they called the man in who had been born blind, and they said to him, You give glory to God, because we know that Jesus is a sinner and his answer is gold. If you got a Bible, you could circle John 9:25, you could underline it, you could memorize it. Cuz chances are you've sung about it. He said, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. But one thing I know, I was blind and now I can see. And then, and then he goes the next step. This is next level right here. This is the hot sauce, baby. This is like habanero. This is like big time. He says this, don't you want to follow him too? Don't you want to be his disciples too? In other words, why wouldn't you want to follow the guy who can open up eyes? Why wouldn't you want to do that? And you know what, what happened was they threw him out. They kicked him out. But you know what? No worries. He'd already experienced that. He, he, I, I know what that's like. I've been an outcast before. I'll just go follow Jesus. So good, man. And, and the most, one of the most famous songs we've ever sung, right, comes out of that verse. John 9, 25. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now. Was blind, but now I see. Thank you, God. So I told you we do all these trips to Africa, man. It's incredible. We we go over and we serve. And uh, I was on this one trip uh, about sixteen college students, and we had had the most amazing ministry. We've been working in a, in a hospital. With uh, disabled patients, uh, a lot of the kids come there for surgeries. They come in, they've never been able to walk, and they walk out of the hospital. Uh, unbelievable place called Cure in uh, right outside of Nairobi, Kenya. And we were there. We had this unbelievable safari too. We had this one kid who who uh, he he uh, was eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and a baboon reached in from the top of the vehicle and stole his peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Except he was an athlete, so he rolled the window up and caught the baboon's arm in the, in the window. And you could see the baboon's face you know, looking down with his arm caught. So the kid took his sandwich back and started eating it in front of the baboon. The baboon went crazy and started headbutting the window. Window breaks, reaches in, grabs that kid's arm, bites his arm, broke one of his bones and took the sandwich. It's was like, maybe next time you should just give them the PB&J. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Unbelievable uh, safari. We had a great experience. I'm on my way back. And uh, our ministry, uh, we decided as a family we wanted to take the kids uh, to Europe for, for kind of a few few days as a trip. So on my way back, we were coming through Rome. And I was able to stop, and the team went on back to the States. And I was there to meet my family and my two little girls. At the time, Gracie was maybe eight, Sophie was maybe six years old, and my wife was there. And they get there, they're super jet lagged. We, we were like determined we're going to go around the city, we're going to have a great, great night. So I took them to this place, beautiful, beautiful uh, uh, sanctuary of the, it's called the Pantheon. I don't know if you've ever been there. It's one of the oldest, oldest uh, places of worship on earth. It's so old that it's sunken into the ground. It was originally established by the by the by the uh, Romans as, as a pa- as a pagan worship. They worship the the Roman gods, right? And and they thought that if if they left a hole, a giant hole in the ceiling. By the way, I really like your Hershey Kiss so much. Uh, they, <laughs> I like them with almonds, but I love them with people too. That's great. So. They thought if they, they leave a big hole in the ceiling, that, that, that their prayers could get to the gods easier. Which I thought was really strange, because when it rains, it just comes right into the, to the thing. But the, anyway, the Catholic Church has since bought the Pantheon. They own it now. There's statues of Mary and the disciples and Jesus all around it. So we go in there, and I'm showing them around. And I was like, this place is just amazing. So we walk out, and we're in the middle of, of Rome, Italy, in this big plaza. And Sophie starts pulling on, on her mom's uh, shirt. There, she says, "Mommy, mommy, I gotta pee." I was like, "That's normal." So I was like, "Good news." In in Rome, you you can go into any cafe, any any place. They have to let you use the restrooms. And you don't have to pay for it. In some European cities, they're weird and they charge you to urinate. Very strange. But uh, but but in Rome, it's free. So I was like, any one of these cafes. I was like, Gracie and I will just be over here on this fountain. And we'll just wait for you. We'll wait for you. And so Levi's is like, "Good, I got to go too." So they they go into this cafe. I watch them. They go in, and me and Gracie go sit sit by this fountain. This beautiful fountain. There's so many beautiful fountains in Rome, and we're sitting at the one right outside the Pantheon. And the craziest thing happens. There's this there's this man who comes up, and, and, and he's got he's got on a tuxedo. And there's another man with him who's like dressed nicely too. And he's helping the man with the tuxedo. The man with the tuxedo is this huge guy that looked like he ate his whole family. He's just massive. And, 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 and he, gets, he gets to the fountain. And you can tell he wants to get up on the lip of the fountain. Like kind of near where we were seated. And all these people are leaving, like scrambling from their cafe tables all around. There's cafes all around. They're scrambling to get over to this fountain where he is being helped onto the lip of the fountain. So it's almost like he's got this stage here so everyone can see him. And, man, people, you can tell, they're so excited. They're like people clapping and, and like eager. What, what's, I'm like, what's about to happen? And I'm sitting here, and maybe he's, he's ten yards away, maybe, maybe, maybe five yards away. And I'm thinking to myself, who is this guy? Like, it's got to be some famous Italian guy, right? All these people are going nuts. And the whole crowd just, just piles in there. And this man is introduced by the other man who's with him. And I can't understand Italian. He says something. And as soon as he says his name, the crowd just roars in applause. And you could hear a pin drop. Everything got quiet. And he began to sing. He was some Italian opera star. I don't like opera. I don't like rap at all. I, 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 I listen to country music. I, 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 don't know, I don't know about you guys. I, I just was just what I like. I like a fiddle. I like a banjo. I like an acoustic guitar. I love that kind of stuff. So, so he starts to sing. And I'm telling you, I didn't like opera at all. Just kind of like that I like, like rap. But I love Keith. I loved opera in that moment. Because his voice was pitch perfect. It was amazing. And all these people are just staring. And Gracie and I have front row seats. He finishes the song and and the crowd just erupts again, even louder than the first time. And they're cheering and they're shouting his name. And some of them are yelling, Uncle, bravo, uncle. And and he doesn't have another song for them. He's going back to his table. So the guy helps him back down. He's signing all these autographs. That's when I saw him. There's a man on a skateboard. With no legs. And he's pushing his way through the crowd. And his hand. That he's reaching up to ask for money. For help. Is bloodied and callous. From where he's pushed himself around the city. On the skateboard. And he's. Maybe in his mid-twenties. His face is dirty. His hands. Bloody like I said. He just looks like. The poorest guy i've ever seen rags on his body and he's asking for help and you can see the italian's response immediately is just like disgust like how could you mess up this moment the sun was going down we were listening to opera music and now you're here and some of the women are holding their nose and their skirt just, skirt just trying to get away from them right and he's pushing forward again and he's asking for help I can't understand his language but I know what he's asking for he just wants help he just wants some food he just wants some money so he can buy some food and I stood up on the edge of the fountain I looked out to see if I could see my wife my daughter see if they were coming and I could see them across the crowd and I jumped down and I grabbed Gracie by the hand Gracie's eyes are fixed on this guy I said come on baby let's go Let's go. There's mommy over there. Let's go. And I started to pull her away. She's eight years old. And I have her hand in mine, and she jerks it out and looks at me, and she says, What are you doing, Dad? And I was like, What are you doing? I'll break you. You're coming with me. And she looks at me, shakes her head. She had this little Vera Bradley pocketbook. is all plaid, colored, whatever, whatever that design is. She walks over to that man. And she'd been looking around Rome all night long for a souvenir for her Gigi and her Poppy, her grandparents. She had some euros that I gave her, and she reached into that pocketbook, and she didn't just pick out a few of them. She took all of them out. She put them in his hand. And then she took it next step. She, she went in for a hug on one of the grossest looking guys you've ever seen. And I'm telling you, man, you know who gives the best hugs? Best hugs? Sophie's actually better than Gracie, my youngest daughter. <laughs> but Gracie's got to be in the top three, right? She hugs him. And as she pulls away, tears are in. Screaming down his cheeks. And I remember the two words he said, and I know what those words mean. He said, Grazie, Bella, grazie. And she came back to me. And in that moment, all I could think of is, How could I be so blind? Nathan, how could you be so blind? There's Jesus on a skateboard. And you're trying to get your daughter away from him. You've just been in Africa for two weeks on a mission trip. And there he is right there on a skateboard. And you're trying to go the other way. How could you be so blind? It's It's funny how God uses our children to teach us stuff. went back to mommy and sissy went back to our hotel room that night when I was going to sleep I just said God I'm so sorry I'm so sorry please forgive me truth is some of you came in this morning and, and you're feeling the same way right <laughs> how could I miss that how could I have been so blind And there's, there's parts of our lives we, we don't see. But then when you ask God, you say, God, would you please put your finger on my sin? And He does that. You're like, Oh man, how could I miss that? So sorry, God. So as we wrap up today's service, as we go to this final song, what I want to ask you to do is if there's an area of your life that you need to say, God, would you please, would you put your finger on my sin? Would you open my eyes? Would you help me to see? If there's some of you here who came to to this service and and you're like, man, I I don't need Jesus as much as I need air. You're not desperate, truly desperate for him, but you want to be, then this moment is for you. And you can respond. You know what you can do? You can come down here just like, just like about 100 students were last night. And you can fall on your knees. And you can call out to him. And you can say, I'm sorry, God. Open my eyes so I can see. Help me to be desperate for you. Help me to need you as much as I need air. I dare you to do it. It's the, it's the best place to be. This altar is going to be wide open. So let's have the music. If you guys want to come back up. Take your time, hurry up. (laughs) You guys missed your cue.